Welcome to the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert Podcast. I'm your host, James Huang. I'm Kaylee Fritz. I'm Zach Edwards. And I'm Dave Rome. Dave, you're looking a little flat today. I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I can't see myself. I'm imagining I'm maybe like a, an Allen key or or maybe an adjustable spanner with wearing a hat, but uh, it's a fun game. Dave, are you actually? That's in a here? pretty good guess, yeah, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about here, because you're listening to this as a podcast and not watching it on YouTube, because this is also going to be on YouTube this week, Dave is not here. Dave is across the world in Australia, and instead, we're sitting here in Boulder Gruppetto, Zach's shop, and we have a a Dave, not a very quite accurate rendition. rendition of Dave on a piece of paper. And yeah, it's very accurate. Uh, I basically made use of my kid's retired easel. <laughs> it's pretty great. So, but today, what we're going to talk about is some of the latest developments that have been popping up in the bicycle tech world. We are going to have a a vigorous debate a spirited on, debate on which uh, zach and i've already started on a very interesting <laughs> bike that popped up the uh the evil bikes shammy hagar and then finally is going to be the first edition of the what bike should i buy segment where we help listeners like you figure out what bike you should buy so first and foremost on the docket zwift the i guess the the biggest online training platform is expanding into crits gravel and mountain bike environments you, you, you look skeptical. You you are still obviously riding on your own bike in your house, whether it be your road bike, gravel bike, or mountain bike. But there are now new environments where you are in a crit race with however many thousands of your closest friends. Um, or you can be on a little gravel environment, or you can be on a mountain bike trail. And if you have the if you have the uh, the companion app and you have your phone mounted to your handlebar, you can steer. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well. I should preface this with the fact that Zach and I are both exceptionally curmudgeonly <laughs> when it comes to riding inside. I have I, never Zwifted. <laughs> yeah, Zach has never Zwifted. I have Zwifted because out of necessity, I think that if you have to ride inside, it's the best way to do it, I personally think. It's like mildly entertaining. Uh, my wife does it all the time. However, I prefer not to. And so I, I personally struggle to to fully engage in the available things in Zwift until they debut Mario Kart as Zwift. And then I will be all over it and I will be a hundred percent in and I'll be throwing bananas all over the place and shells and things like that and taking out my opponents. And then I will enjoy the, the full gamification of Zwift. But in, until that point, I have trouble getting excited about riding well, fake dirt. Kelly, let me ask you this. <clears throat> And I, I will ask you this question from the position of being the token ex-Midwesterner here. Now, let's say you are no longer Colorado, Kaylee, mm. and you are back to Vermont, Kaylee. Oh. How would you feel about Swift then? I would ski all winter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I would do. But, I, I, you know, I, every single time Swift comes up and every single time we talk about it, and I'm just trying to talk about it honestly from my sort of perspective and the fact that i don't personally have a lot of use for it so you know every time we do that i get yelled at on the internet by a whole bunch of people who feel deeply insulted by the fact that i do not use it in the same way that they do or find the same enjoyment that they do i would like to clarify that my lack of enjoyment in riding inside has no bearing on your enjoyment riding inside or lack thereof i really you know if you love it great and the fact that they are expanding into crits gravel and mountain biking awesome as I said, none of those things really get my blood boiling because I personally won't use them. I do think it's a nifty step 
and as we head toward the eventual Mario Kartification of Zwift, which I am just hoping and praying for. I, I approve of the step in that in that regard, but I feel like I don't understand. Like crits, the part of crits to make some fun is the sketchiness. Yeah, you can't really crash riding indoors. Same with the gravel and mountain bike stuff. There's like two wheel drifting around. Can't really do that riding indoors. <laughs> so I don't quite understand how this is a benefit over normal lifting. Well, I I think basically what it's supposed to be is putting you in in like a crit-like environment in terms of the fitness that's required. And and in terms of the course, in that you're racing around the same block, essentially, over and over and over again. Yeah. So, so it, you get used to it, and you know where to attack and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a, it's, it's more like a, a visual thing and a, and a workout thing. I mean, and again, I guess if you have no other option, really, than to ride indoors, then I can see how that would be pretty appealing. I should say that it's not just people that have no option, though. We, I think we frame it that way. I found it interesting in the, in the data that Strava released not too long ago. Our colleague Ian Trello wrote this up. And the rate of indoor rides in the middle of summer, even, uh, has gone up dramatically, basically since Swift was invented or, or was released. I, I do want to be careful and not just frame all this Zwift stuff as it's a last resort, right? I, I honestly think that if depending on what you want to do on a bike, if your only goal is to get as fit as possible, that sort of indoor riding is super handy and maybe these crit things are, are quite cool. Well, and it also is just more time efficient for people who are have busy schedules. Uh, I will say I did a workout. I did an hour and 42 minute workout on Sufferfest a few days ago. Why? Um, because I didn't, have to, I didn't have time to ride outside, and I, 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 I kind of wanted to just sit and pedal for a little while. Yeah, and I, it was the sort of thing where I knew it was going to be really good in t- for me in terms of fitness, and it's the sort of thing that I would never, ever, ever have done outside. I mean, you cannot, you could not force me to do intervals outside. I just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, intervals inside are definitely a way to kind of keep yourself occupied, at the very least. There's there's just the safety aspect as well. Like in in Australia, I know there's a, a bunch of riders that even where the weather's perfect, they'll they'll ride indoors by themselves all all through the week and then save their uh, their outdoor ride for the group ride. Uh, and I think that's becoming a common trend. Moving on, it's moving on from Zwift because I, I we always get yelled at when we talk about Zwift. I, I feel like you're every time. <laughs> I feel like you're getting yelled at, especially for this one. <sighs> I just don't like it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Andy Don't Van Bergen, like uh, who handles this sort of thing for us, if you were listening to this podcast, I feel like we need a custom Zwift kit with Kaylee's name on it that <laughs> everyone who rides Zwift and disagrees with, with Kaylee's position here can ride a special CT-branded Kaylee edition kit in Zwift. That's a terrible idea. I think it's a wonderful I rode idea. Zwift the other day. I rode Zwift t- to prepare for the mammal battle. The Neil Rogers versus Jonathan Botter's mammal battle. I rode Zwift two nights beforehand because I hadn't ridden in a week and a half, and I was like, I should probably open my legs up. And it's dark and cold. I rode Zwift. I charged my e- my uh, my e bike battery. <laughs> no more Zwift. I hate getting yelled at on the internet. I'm okay, sorry. well <laughs> then I, I'll be curious to hear your opinion on this then because this is, this is another indoor cycling related oh. topic. Oh, so <laughs> this entire episode is designed to get Kaylee yelled at on the internet. It could be. It could be. Um, <laughs> Rafa recently introduced a line of indoor-specific clothing. No, no. I don't understand. No, no. So, I mean, you no. know, some of the key pieces on this, <laughs> they have a basically a sweat hat um, that is just specifically designed to absorb sweat and keep it from going down to your eyes. They have um, sort of like a really, really light, meshy top and then shorts that apparently 
Uh, if I remember correctly, Dave, you wrote this article. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. the the chamois is what was what was it specifically designed for intense efforts or something like that? What does that mean exactly? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, a pad designed for <laughs> intense efforts with uh, pockets to keep your snacks nearby. Yeah. What? The, to be honest, out of that out of that lineup, there were the towel actually makes a lot of sense and is actually truly fairly priced. Like it has little hooks to stay on the hoods. And as someone that doesn't actually own a dedicated towel that stays on my handlebars as well as you I'd like with towel? the fan blowing. I own towels, but I, like my sports towels don't have nice little hooky things and they I have dropped them with the fan pointing up at me. So uh, I kind of get that towel, even though I wouldn't buy one because I have towels that absorb sweat. Um, and then the cap also makes sense, although I, the cap part, like the peak doesn't make sense, but I think that's just done for like the, the tribute Style to points. the cycling cap. Yeah. Um, but the the idea of like that open open mesh foam is uh, is quite clever. The shirt and the shorts. Eh. Could you explain to me what the cap does that a uh, sweatband from Walmart does not do? It absorbs thirty three point more sweat than. It feels like the the fan. Yeah. No. <laughs> you don't need um, the three hundred dollar fan. <laughs> yeah, it's. It probably uh, doesn't do a whole lot more than what a sweatband from Walmart does, but it does look to uh, cover your whole head as opposed to just the circumference. And That sounds hotter. Uh, yeah. And then it's open, so it should hopefully let in a bit more air than just like putting a normal cap on your head. Like, But again, it's not a huge expense. And for people that spend, you know, five plus hours a week on the trainer, it actually kind of makes sense. Well, here's the thing that I want to know. So, Continental for a long time has made a tire that's specifically designed for indoor trainers. A really hard rubber compound, um, absolutely not meant to be ridden outside. And to keep people from riding it outside, they made it this really, really weird yellow color. I don't know if you guys remember this. Yeah, I remember this. Um, mm-hmm. But despite that, people still ended up riding them outside. Yes. <laughs> Mostly, I think, because they either just didn't really didn't understand that they weren't supposed to ride it, out, uh, ride it outside, or maybe they just liked the color, but... What I'm curious about is what will keep this stuff, like what makes it, you know, not terribly well suited for riding outside. So the cap would be like a sponge. So if you put a helmet over it, I reckon it'll drip everywhere with your sweat. Um, That will stop the cap from being a great asset outside. Uh, The towel will get caught in your spokes. Uh, The shirts kind of makes you look like a triathlete and the shorts don't have bib straps so, so they're just short shorts they're just short so like they're they're basically from what i could tell they're basically the the brand's cargo short uh cargo bib short but without the straps interesting mm. hold on someone just walked hold on the shop we gotta take a break for a minute okay guys i think it's time to move on outdoors Instead of indoor cycling. Weird. Did, did, wait, do did we, did we come to conclusion here? So, Rafa indoor cycling clothing, somewhat oh. ridiculous. You could literally just wear bibs. And How is it better than bibs and a nice base layer? So I have no idea. So the bibs and nice base layer that you already have, you mean? Yeah. yeah. The ones that also can go outdoors. Uh, so, I think they're not if you are invested in nice stuff already. But for the people that are like just riding indoors, which is like a pretty growing market... Um, I think there is some practicality to it, and the the shirt is looser fitting than a base layer, so it would probably be a little bit more comfortable. 
So basically, they're going for the Peloton market. I kind of think so, or like at least the Zwift model that is going after the Peloton model. Well, mm. so what'll be interesting is how Rafa plans to market this, because if the ideal market for this thing is basically non-cyclists, how are they going to advertise this thing? The Peloton people have never heard of Rafa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a step towards their you know, life goal of becoming Patagonia. So yeah, mm. we'll find out. Interesting. I personally won't be buying it for reasons that should be very clear by now. Uh, <laughs> okay, James, let's get to, let's right. get to topics let's, that let's talk um, about riding are outside. less likely to get me yelled at. Let's talk about riding outside. So yeah. another thing that was introduced recently was uh, from a company, an Australian company called Curve, and um, they introduced a basically a very, 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 very wide gravel handlebar. Um, now, Dave, I'll let you take take this one on because you wrote this article. What is this thing exactly? It is a handlebar named after a local Melbourne pedestrian bridge uh, because of its width. So it's wide enough that you basically have to, uh, when you're on that bridge with that handlebar, you kind of have to stop to let other pedestrians through. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a 750 millimeter wide handlebar. They do have narrower versions, which are, are more in line with where the rest of the industry is. But the now, biggest to, one to clarify, is, it's a yeah. 750 millimeter wide drop handlebar. Correct. So, yeah, so normally 750 mil wide would be pretty standard for a, a modern day mountain bike handlebar. But this thing has drops on it. Is that 750 at the hoods or in the drops? In the drops. So it's flared. So I think it's closer to 600 at the hoods. So still quite wide. Very wide. Dave, what are the purported benefits of this bar? Why, why would you want a handlebar that is this wide? I mean, I know that, you know, in, in the gravel scene for sure, and, and even more so in the adventure scene, um, people are gravitating toward wider handlebars. I mean, a lot of it's to, to, to clear handlebar bags. But I mean, I mean, there's got to be a limit. Right? I mean, is there such a thing as too wide a handlebar? Uh, I mean, in my opinion, yes. But the guys that have designed this are some of the, the best uh, adventure races or multi-day, um, you know, cross-country races in the world, uh, like Jesse Carlson. Uh, and these guys, you know, they, they do proper, you know, laps of Australia or race across America. And they, in their experience, these bars give, you know, more handle, hand positions and the space for a lot of um, baggage. Hear me out. How is this How is this material different from a mountain bike handlebar with bar ends, particularly like bar ends that curve, a la 1991? It's a good question, actually. Uh, and I guess it's an area I don't really have enough experience in to, to say that going drops is a smarter choice. I mean, certainly bikepacking world seems to be gravitating towards what you're suggesting, Kaylee. Um, and this is sort of a, an outlier, dare I say. Um, you know, the, the brake levers from a mountain bike handlebar are arguably more efficient and more reliable. Uh, Not arguably, like definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. So, yeah, um, you know, more easily repaired and easier to use so i mean yeah it's it's an odd one this thing uh and certainly in this width you you really have to want that drop position in order to justify this yeah so i'm i'm not immediately opposed to this because i think that you know if, if in a very narrow use case if you are one of those people who is racing across australia or whatever uh 
you know, th- that sort of many, many handlebar positions, uh, the ability to use the brakes and shifters when it's super rough isn't really that important because that, for me, is the primary reason to go to a mountain bike bar with maybe bar ends or something mm-hmm. because, I mean, just the reality is that, and this isn't, you can't even argue this, this is 100% fact, you have more control over the bike with your hands in the position of a mountain bike and the brakes in the position of a mountain bike versus like on the hoods with your, you know, sort of uh, wrist kind of bent or even in the drops really. So I think that there's a, there's a pretty good case to be made for if you, if your idea here is to go take a gravel bike and kind of like, you know, shred single track and stuff like that. At that point, you're getting pretty close to a hardtail mountain bike or a rigid mountain bike or something like that. And, and maybe that, that different use case. But if you're the type of person who is just trying to get us across Australia as fast as possible, I can totally see why a big, wide, even ridiculously wide, which is like this thing, a big, wide drop bar has some has some value. Now, well summarized. The problem with running all the stuff out of a flat bar on your gravel bike is that the shifters and brake levers don't work with the road derailers. Right. And calipers as well. But maybe you should just get mountain bike stuff. Or just get a mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like this is just another example of... Um, kind of an area where you know we're seeing more and more blurring the lines between what a kind of drop bar gravel adventure road or whatever bike is and a mountain bike mm-hmm. i mean I, i'm not sure if there is a line anymore i mean is it basically just you know whether the handlebars are like straight or curly that's the yeah i think suspension has got to be the line now it used to be geometry until the next topic of conversation which is that that crazy evil uh I don't mean evil as an adjective. I mean e- evil as a as a as a proper noun. Uh, <laughs> the evil gravel bike. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But yeah, that that line is really completely blurring. And I I kind of like that. Like I like, I, you know, we put these things in buckets, right? And there's not really any any reason to do that. The the fact that we're gonna have this sort of crazy spectrum of bikes that you can just apply to whatever your type of riding is. I think that that's pretty cool. The thing that people need to be kind of careful of is when you have that many options and you have that wide of a spectrum that you're actually being honest about what type of riding you're doing and whether you need this type of bike right right because you maybe necessarily you don't necessarily need this ultra wide curve handlebar if you are primarily riding e crits on swift at home yeah i mean racing across australia how many bars are they going to sell of these I bet more than you think. <laughs> I yep. mean, you know, we see, we see people that sort of do like, you know, overnight bike packing trips out of Boulder here all the time. I'll see them. I'll see them like coming back in the morning when we go out and ride and they got, they're all, they got a bunch of bags and stuff like that. And they've got the big wide handlebar and they've got all the things that you're used to seeing in that type of bike. Uh, you know, if, if that is your use case, great, go for it. If you're, if your only goal is to sort of, yeah, like, like, you know, pop around on, on your local gravel loop or hit the occasional dirt road, you don't need a 750 millimeter wide bar. All that's going to do is make you really unaerodynamic. If you're, if your average speed is more than about, I don't know, 16 kilometers <laughs> an hour, this is probably not something you should be looking at. That being yeah. said, um, we are sit again, sitting in Boulder group, Hedo, an independent repair shop here in Boulder, Colorado. And Zach, I would, I would guess that at some point in this next season, you are going to see something like that rolling in through that door over there. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm going to have to say that you are going to have to bite your tongue and reserve judgment. Oh, yeah. It's fine. Question I just thought of. Say we got to put some of these mountain bike bars, mountain bike width bars on your gravel bike. Are road brake hoses long enough? Ooh. Oh. 
Oh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, because Curve already took care of the problem of handlebar tape. I mean, they're they're basically selling their own. That's extra yeah. long. They're, they're providing their own with the handlebar, actually. So, yeah, with the hoses, though. I, well, I mean, if someone were to install this handlebar on a bike they already own, they are for sure going to need oh, yeah. new hoses. Yep. Yeah. And probably a shorter stem, too. Otherwise, the handling is going to be absolutely horrendous. Yep. Yeah. So, there is there is a, uh, like a backward sweep on the bar, which is designed to help... Um, I guess reduce the reach with the additional width, but but yeah, I guess the key takeaway with this bar is that Curve themselves are making narrow versions, which they say are good for gravel, and then the super wide versions they they actually don't recommend for gravel riders. It's it's really a bike packing bar. Yeah, because you want to be like you know put a tent up there or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Sleeping all bag. your possessions. Yeah, mm-hmm. sleep bag lighter. Yeah. Well, speaking of blurring the lines between road and mountain bikes, uh, there was a bike that was launched just a few days ago that um, certainly has generated a little bit of discussion, shall we say, either both internally and amongst readers. I love this bike. So there is there is a, a mountain bike company based in Washington, uh, in, in here in the U.S. Um, the company is called Evil Bicycles. Yep. And they have a very well-earned reputation for making super, super progressive mountain bikes, you know, bikes that just really have always been, I shouldn't say always, but they, they have a strong reputation for definitely pushing the envelope for what is kind of accepted and normal. And they, So in mountain bike terms, that means like super, super slack, slack head tubes head and really yeah. low bottom brackets and, you know, just really different handling than what is considered the norm. Just yep. like mini downhill bikes. Yeah. Basically, yeah, like a mini downhill bike with like a trail bike travel, like stuff, stuff like that. And they just introduced this gravel bike called the Chamois Hagar, which... Uh, for those of you who have absolutely no idea what that is in reference to, that is in reference to Sammy Hagar, who used to be the frontman for Van Halen. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. But you'd be surprised how many people had no idea. So, but anyway, so they introduced this bike, which, um, first of all, it just looks completely, completely insane. It looks awesome. It, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I mean, in terms of the geometry, it is, ex- it's super radical. It's, it's an extremely long reach. It's a really, really slack front end. Uh, I mean, intentionally 66.6 degrees. Ha uh-huh. ha. Um, you know, clever, clever, clever. Very low bottom bracket is designed to clear tires that are, you know, 700 by 50 or you could run 650s if you wanted to. Um, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's basically, I'm not going to say a current mountain bike because it's not quite current in terms of numbers, but like a, a several years old mountain bike frame with drop handlebars. It's, I mean, it's progressive for a hardtail. It's most hardtails are not that slack yet. It's no, like they're not that slack. One sixty fork. Was that? It's like all those hardtails that are coming out that have a one sixty mil fork. It, it, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of the head tube angle, then yeah, it, it's kind of in line with what you're seeing now with super progressive hardtails. But in terms of the reach, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a short hardtail now. Yeah. A short reach hardtail. Yeah. But long reach gravel bike. Long reach in, in, in a gravel bike for sure. Um, like quite a bit longer than what you'd find so, even on like a, a top level road racing bike for a comparable size. So I actually had a chance to ride BMC's Urs earlier in the year and that actually has the same reach figures or very similar reach figures and the same use of like the 50 mil stem. Um, so I think in that sense, Evil aren't groundbreaking in the reach numbers. Uh, however, they have gone about four degrees slacker in the head tube angle. <laughs> which is a, which is a big, lot big yeah big i mean that's a you know talk about a sea change i mean that's yeah. huge yes so I, I i'm gonna preface this with the fact that zach and i have already spent hours arguing about this bike <laughs> uh yeah 
we're we're going to rehash some of that now. I will say that I think both of us has, have staked out claims that we don't. We're not actually totally. Not like, I don't, it. Just like I, I don't love this bike as much as I am going to pretend that I love it right now, and I don't think he hates it as much. You're as pretending to love it an awful lot it. right now, Gailey. <laughs> but I love this bike. So here is my. I haven't ridden this bike. None of us have. No. Just to say be that clear. right now. But so I do this have one just, This could be. It could be terrible. We could get it, and I could try to like get it around a corner on a road. And it could be just impossible, and it could be awful. However, uh, that head tube angle and a bunch of the steering geometry is yeah, pretty similar to like a trail bike. I've ridden lots of trail bikes, and actually, I've ridden a lot of trail bikes down from the from the trails back to my house. Those corner just fine on roads, so I am confident that I, I think it'll be okay. The reason I love this bike is because there's a lot of sort of mountain bike to gravel bike. Talking about about that spectrum that you were that talking spectrum. about. That spectrum. Yeah, it's just like a lot, there's a lot of fading of that line right now happening, right? There's a lot of these bikes coming out that will fit a 29 by 2.2 tire or something like that. I mean, this is literally it's a mountain bike tire, right? There's a bunch bunch of options bo- options in that sort of realm right now. Most of them are based off of geometry that frankly is is pretty similar to mountain bikes from like 1992. Uh, mountain bikes from 1992 were terrible. I don't know if you've ever ridden one. I know if you own one, you're probably going to disagree with that. I would challenge you to ride your bike and then ride a bike from 2019 and not like the new one more. They're significantly better than they used to be. We've come a long way in geometry. They're a lot more stable. They're a lot more capable. They're a lot more fun. So I like that if we're going to have a gravel bike that is going to sort of blur the line between gravel and mountain bike... I like that it's based off of mountain bikes from 2019 and not from 1991. I like that it's going to be super slack and for a gravel bike, a, lo- a sort of a long reach, short stem, that kind of handling we already know works really, really, really well off-road. It's really confidence-inspiring. It's really fun. It can be really playful. That's why I'm really excited about this bike. Right. On the other side, it could be terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, well, well I, I definitely have some thoughts on this, but I, I'm curious to hear what Zach's counter argument to this is right now. I mean, Kaylee and I, like you said, we kind of had a little debate about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just personally don't understand when, when I would want to grab this bike over a regular gravel bike. And if you want to have that much more fun, then just go ride a mountain bike because that's even more fun. I think it's a pretty good argument, actually. It it's it's good. the it's the is does this bike have a home? Like who's gonna who's gonna? Like use I it? kept asking Kaylee for an example of when you would pick that bike out of your garage, and I couldn't really get one. Well, here's the thing: I just given the the company that it's coming from, um, Evil has basically zero name recognition among the gravel or drop bar crowd at all. Um, they do, however, have a very very loyal following amongst people who own their mountain bikes for a lot of good reasons. And we do know that a lot of those people who ride trail only right now, I mean, a lot of them are curious about gravel. I mean, and a lot of them do have road bikes, too. I mean, they, they, they may not admit it. We have um, colleagues over at Pink Bike that are like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, if, if I have like, a, like an evil following MB or like, you know, one of, their, one of their bigger trail bikes or anything like that, and I'm curious about going into gravel and I'm already kind of – and I've already bought into this brand, then if they were to come out with – a gravel bike and if i'm already curious about that kind of riding then i would probably be inclined to think that these guys have a decent idea of what they're doing or at the very least that they kind of know what sort of riding i would want to do with it Mm. and then i think i I think at that point that's the person who's more likely to buy this thing as opposed to a predominantly you know traditional road rider who would look at this thing and think it's some sort of abomination 100 percent. yeah i i totally agree that it's a mountain bike is road bike 
I mean, I, I, I rode last night with, you know, my usual Tuesday night fat bike crew. And, you know, we were talking about this quite a bit last night, actually. And, you know, those guys are pretty much all, almost all, you know, pure mountain biker, pure mountain bike guys. And they're really excited about this bike. They're really intrigued with it and they, they get it. I mean, they, they were looking at it. They, they were reading about it and right away it clicked. I mean, they, it, it made sense to them right away. They, they definitely were not looking at that thing like, you know, why would someone buy that or that thing seems really dumb or the geometry is not going to work, so on and so forth. To them, it totally made sense. So, so one, I've got one criticism of the bike and because we haven't ridden it, we don't know for sure, but evil themselves claim a 50 millimeter tire clearance. Uh, which which seems would, a little small. Which would make it a 29 by 2 Kaylee just said a lot of these gravel bikes are offering 29 by 22 uh, So, for me, that might be the limitation. There's a lot of people that could use this geometry that is very uh, is going to be very stable on downhills are probably looking for a tire that might be wider than what the, the Evil can actually handle. I would have actually preferred that they built this around a 650, I think. Interesting. Well, I mean, you, you could put a 650 on there if yeah. you wanted to. Um, but my suspicion is that most people are going to run it in with in the 700c setup with the biggest tire they can possibly fit on there. Probably that's my guess anyway. Right, which I'm actually not all that into. Uh, like to to if I was going to buy this thing, I want to run it with you know kind of a semi slick kind of thing because it, it, it will see under me anyway. It'll see a bunch of sort of dirt road or even pavement use. But I just want a bike that if I pop onto the local single track, it'll be more fun than the other gravel bikes that I've used because it has that mountain bike geometry. Because, you know, I, I had that, that checkpoint that I've run 650s on for a while, and it was 650 by 50 on those. So the tire was fine. I, I could, you know, there was plenty of traction. I could ride that thing all over the place on single track, but it's, it was just really steep. And, but I mean, that, that sort of steering was really steep and, and kind of twitchy, and it just wasn't great. You felt really underbiked, and I think that this bike's going to feel more capable. But to Zach's point, there's not a lot of rides that I do that I would <laughs> that yeah. I would honestly pull I this one out. Like someone's like fifth or sixth bike. Yeah, like, I mean, it, and it should also be mentioned. I mean, this bike is pretty expensive. I mean, it's n- it's not like a like a casual per- uh, yeah. casual purchase. An aluminum version would be sweet. So that was my other. Yeah, I, I wish they'd done an alu- aluminum version. That was like you know eight hundred bucks for the frame set or something like that instead of twenty five hundred or three thousand or whatever it is. Yeah. So I mean, who knows? Maybe they will. I mean, we'll have to see how well this thing is received. But I- I'm, I'm at the very least really looking forward to trying it. I'm super curious as to how it's going to handle. Um, just knowing how bikes with this sort of kind of geometry philosophy are off road for mountain bikes. Yep. Um, I mean, there are things I like about them, things I don't like about them, and and I have an idea of how this thing is going to handle. And I think it could be really good. The most important question: Can it win Kansas? <laughs> I don't know if you'd want it for Kansas. I don't think Evil has the budget to sponsor <laughs> someone with that kind of capability to win Kansas. So, fi- just final thought on that is, uh, I think we'll see gravel bikes follow this trend, and I think we'll see them settle somewhere between where every other gravel bike is and where this thing is. But I do believe that we're coming from a place where gravel bikes were effectively wide-tired cyclocross bikes, which were made with UCI regulations in mind. And these new bikes are just throwing that rule book out of the out of the window. I like it. So, I w- yeah. w- would would everyone buy one? Would you buy one, Zach? If it was aluminum, would you buy one? No, I would still rather a regular gravel bike. And if I can't ride on the trail for whatever I'm doing, then I'd rather just hop on my mountain bike. Yeah, I would say it's a it's a very firm maybe for me because I feel like it'd be like a a, a road like I, I feel like my ideal <clears throat> quiver, so to speak, would be. 
maybe like a really capable and light all-road bike with like 30 mil tires or something like that. Yeah. And then maybe something like this, like a, a pretty, you know, fairly hardcore gravel bike with like 40, 45 mil tires, something like that. And then I, I would probably just move from there straight up to a trail or enduro bike. Yeah. Dave? Yeah, same same as Zach. Basically, I'm I'm uh, on the on the fence, saying you know if if it's a bike to purely ride off road, I'd rather be on a mountain bike, and if it's a bike to ride a little bit of off road and a bunch of road, then I, I still want it to feel fast and efficient. Oh, that's too bad. You're all wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I want one, and I would buy it. Well, unfortunately, Kaylee, I requested my test sample in my size, not yours. So I will be really curious to see how it actually handles. I'm genuinely so intrigued. Like, on the trail, sure, it'll be great. But like around here, we do a lot of paved pavement to get to our gravel. It's very true. It's so, like, let's say we're finishing a ride coming down a twisty switchbacky road descent. How is that going to work? I, I would argue, sack. my my guess, <laughs> I mean, this is purely speculative, but if only just based on how I know modern mountain bikes handle, um, I mean, mountain bikes, modern mountain bikes, their real limitation is like super, super tight, like walking pace switchbacks. Yeah. Uh, and everything else, I remember the first time I tried one, I was kind of amazed at how well they actually cornered. I mean, not only did they, not only did they just hold up better than I thought it would be, but they were just better period than the older school generation, uh, older school geometry. So, you know, road switchbacks, I mean, comparatively speaking, that's a really, really gentle turn on a mountain bike. True. So, would this kind of geometry work on the road? I feel like to climbing on the road out of the saddle might be weird. It, it, it my, might be. My enduro bike that has similar geo doesn't climb well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also weighs 32 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen, but I will find out soon enough. So, I mean, speaking of trying to figure out what kind of person this bike is for we have a new feature on cycling tips that we are introducing here called what bike should i get where we basically ask you what kind of bike you're looking for you give us a bunch of parameters and then we debate what bike you should buy and then at that point i think you're legally obligated obligated to buy it is that correct you have to buy it you have to buy it. yeah the bike that we think you have to buy it yep uh, we yeah we get a cut from the industry, uh, big bike industry sends us a check every month. This, this is our version of an affiliate program. Yeah, <laughs> it's not true. We make not no true. money. It's not true. <laughs> we are not getting a penny of that. So James, we have uh, we sent this out to our Velo Club members because we love our Velo Club members more than we love everyone else, and <laughs> they responded with a whole bunch of well, basically requests. They filled out the bike selector form, which now we're we're ready to go public with. So if you go to cyclingtips.com slash bike selector fill out the form it will land in i think it lands in my inbox which is unfortunate (laughs) and i will forward it to james immediately without reading it and then he will pull it up and we'll pick some good ones and we will answer your bike selector questions on the podcast and if it feels like you are filling out a questionnaire for a dating website that may or may not have been intentional Mm, slightly intentional um yeah but without further ado, I think we should go ahead and dive into the first one here, which comes from uh, Michael. I'm going to butcher your name, Molino. Molino, uh, who I think French. is who I think is from Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, mm. and he is looking for an all road bike, which I would challenge is not really an all road bike based on his description. Mm. Um, looking for an all road bike with a budget between six and seven thousand dollars U.S. He prefers something from a smaller brand. Um, he's currently interested in the Rodeo Labs Trail Donkey or the Allied Alpha All Road. 
two ends of a spectrum there. Two ends of the spectrum. Uh, disc brakes for sure. <clears throat> Doesn't care about the material. Um, is open to buying used, but I think we're going to stick to new bikes right now. Hmm. He is going to be hitting some gravel, and he thinks it's going to be pretty rough gravel, grade four by by our uh, rating standard here, which is which is rough. yeah, like class four roads in in New England. I know them well. And then um, he said his typical ride is probably going to be like eighty k long. Not a ton of climbing, you know, sub thousand meters or so for the whole ride. And then, uh, but a lot of short, punchy stuff and short, short, steeper descents. Uh, very turny, lots of corners. Um, but he needs something to be super mega, mega versatile. He wants something that is capable of riding in the Alps or Ooh. also hitting a Belgian waffle ride or doing some bike packing. Um, and he wants to be able to run fenders. Mm. I think the place to start here, Michael, is uh, you're going to have to make some decisions because uh, something that's going to be amazing in the Alps on roads, probably not going to be a great bike packing bike in general. I mean, you know, you can find we can find some that are better at those two things, but you're kind of going to have to pick which direction you really want to go. So, Michael, it sounds like you're going to use this bike quite similarly to my dad, actually, who also lives in New England, lives up in Burlington, Vermont, rides quite a few class four roads, rides a lot of dirt roads, things like that. I think one of the keys here is that you're going to want a bike and you're going to want to make sure that you build the budget in here uh, to end up with a bike with multiple wheel sets. Because if you Definitely. actually want to be on, you know, real class four nasty dirt roads, gravel roads in Vermont, and then you also want to be able to take this thing to the Alps, you're going to want two very, very different wheel and tire setups. Yeah, like I was thinking that one would be like a 650B by 50, something like that. Yep. And then the other one would be like a 700 by 28. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 700 by 30, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like some sort there. of roadworthy setup, fully roadworthy setup. Um, but as far as the bike itself goes, I mean, there are there are a handful of bikes that that can handle you know that massive range of wheel and tire uh, sizes and variation. Um, but you know, I would say for fast road riding, I mean, there are a handful of gravel bikes that definitely gravitate more toward kind of like more road bike like handling. Um, like the Cervelo Aspero is one. The um, that Allied Alpha All Road that you mentioned is another one. I mean, when you put road wheels and t- wheels and tires on there, those those things feel like road bikes um yeah. but you also can't really put really big tires on there like that alpha all road you can fit like a 38 on there that's or and not even a 38 like a 37 i think maybe and that's about it um which is be it'd be not unrideable but you, it would be really less be fun. fun for something like respetitza so yeah. but but it's kind of like what you were saying earlier with that with that evil it's like you yeah like you kind of need to be really honest with yourself as far as what type of riding you're going to be doing primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like it is, I mean, realistically, I mean, the, the what you're going to be riding the most of is the stuff you have closest to home. Um, Which in Boston is roads full of potholes and sort of like double track through the woods. So personally, I mean, I mean, the, the really rugged class four or grade four gravel stuff, I mean, you know, if, if he's going to be doing a lot of that, then I, I probably would gravitate towards something more like that trail donkey because you could run a road setup on there. And the geometry is really interesting because it's not super, super tall like a lot of adventure bikes that are out there. You still could get like a pretty, a, a fairly aggressive position on that. And you could, you know, do, you could, there's a ton of mounts on there. You could definitely do bikepacking with it. Um, you could build it up fairly light. Um, but even then, you still would want to, you still would want to run two different wheel sets, I think for sure. Yep. Do you have a final selection? 
my we personal choice, one bike. my personal choice based on what he's describing with that super, super wide range of uses, I, I would probably veer further away from that really sporty all-road bike and more towards something like that trail donkey. I think the bike that comes to mind for me just initially is the Santa Cruz Stigmata. It's mm. like aggressive enough, but kind of gravelly and has mounts and stuff. Mm. Yeah, mounts also but important. Not a big company. It has some mounts. It yeah. doesn't have a ton. It's like how bike packy do you want to get? Got to be honest with yourself. Figure out exactly what you want to be running here. Dave, do you have any recommendations here? Probably pretty similar to Zach's again, but uh, maybe something like a Richie Outback. I mean, it's it's going to be a bit heavier, but I mean, that bike is kind of got like an almost cyclocross-like geometry, but, it, you know, it's got the space for wider tires and um, it'll at least take a beating as far as, you know, going bikepacking with it. You don't really have to worry about about a frame like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's a bike that regardless... Uh, yeah, there's going to be compromises in order to hit that that hit uh, that want list, but um, but yeah, I mean something more toward the gravel side rather than the racing side would be my recommendation. I'm actually I'm going to go slightly the other direction, and that's basically because I spent a bunch of time in my 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 younger life in Boston, and I know the riding quite well. And if if I am reading this correctly, it sounds to me like, yes, there's going to be some adventures up in Vermont. Yes, there might be some adventures overseas. But the majority of what you want this for is riding around Boston and then, like, ducking into the fells and things like that. Which, if you're from Boston, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I which have no idea what you're talking about. You're riding, you're riding along on a, on a, on a, on a you know, a, a paved road. And there's a bunch of woods to your right. And you spot a little single track entrance. And you just pop into it. And you can do almost endless loops up there there's plenty you know, tons of, of really fun riding i don't know which part of boston you live in but if you're from north boston that's that's the bit you're going to be on probably that sort of thing i think would be totally easily handled on something like the allied which uh, does definitely limit you somewhat from a tire size perspective but it's still gonna be plenty big for all that paved stuff and it'll be you'll be under biked when you're in the single track but i think that that can be kind of fun sometimes and you're often going to be dealing with mud in which case you don't necessarily really want a huge fat wide slick tire anyway right and in, and in real mud anyway i mean you know michael said he wants to be able to run fenders which the ally does not have fender mounts but yep. if you're running in mud you don't really want traditional full wrap fenders anyway you kind of just more like a well, kind of just want more like a splash guard which you can kind of just attach pretty easily so there you go. I recommend the Allied Trail Donkey. Trail Donkey, I still think. Say so how depends on how comfortable you are off road. Yeah, like something that Kaylee would ride maybe wouldn't work for someone that's not very comfortable off road. Also true. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Michael, if you're listening, mm-hmm. please let us let us know what you think. Yeah. Let us know what you are about to buy. Uh, if you take one of our recommendations and you buy it and you love it, let us know. If you buy it and you hate it. Also, let us maybe, know. Maybe just keep that to yourself. If, I think if he picks one of our recommendations, then we get a point, and we see how many, who has the most points at the end of the year. Oh, oh, oh! That's, yeah, that's interesting. Your competition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, with that, I think it is time to wrap this up. What do you think? I think so. Well, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to the Nerd Alert podcast on. Let's see. What what are we on here? Spotify, Everything. iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Stitcher. And overcast overcast i haven't even heard of that one i haven't heard of half That's the ones leather. that are people complain <laughs> people keep sending me notes like hey i can't find you on this thing i'm like i've never heard of that but okay i'll add us i, I the, the the podcast distribution is not as smooth as you would hope 
Well, either way, apparently you can pretty much find us anywhere. Literally anywhere. Subscribe. Make sure you never miss another episode. We will be back next year, actually, because we're every two weeks. And uh, what's right at the end of 2019 now. So, yeah, our, our first episode back in 2020 will be an awards episode, actually. Uh, yep, an awards episode. Tech of the decade. Decade. Ooh, since we are now moving into 2020. Yep. Alrighty. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next year. Ciao.